Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be doing some sort of inception thing where we're going to be doing a review of a review of a review of a debate. And uh, we're dealing with uh, this this guy over here. This this old guy over here is J.D. Hall. And uh, I, I didn't know about this guy, anything he taught until like this week when I started looking into him. And let me tell you, the more I learn about this guy, the less I like him. Uh, you know with Hitler. The more I learn about that guy, the more I don't care for him. <laughs> he seems like a miserable human being and uh, he just walks around all day being mopey and angry. If you want to know how that happened, how Calvinism ushered in both theological and political liberalism, here's how it happened. Charismaticism, Arminian methodology, social gospel, and political activism. And I guess that's what Calvinists like. They like they're they're very miserable people, and uh, you know it's it doesn't mean their theology is wrong, but they're just bad people. Uh, and uh, that's my experience with Calvinists. They they tend to be the vocal ones. The ones who are activists are very miserable people. In real life, you'll meet a, a lot of good Calvinists who are humble and who will discuss intellectually the issues, but it's it's not their heroes. It's not these uh, these mainstream guys who who have radio and talk shows. That they're all they're all bad people. They're all bad people. And this other guy over here is Tim Hurd, and I've had interactions with him. And he's he's psychotic. He's he cares more about debating people. He'll he'll debate against who you are rather than than what you believe. He cares more about attacking a person rather than to uh, rather than discussing ideas. And that's what these Calvinists like to do. They attack people, not ideas. They, there's a strong point is never on the facts. Their strong point is not on the evidence. And we're going to learn this today, even covering this, this uh, review. And so this review of a review of a review is about, again, the big debate between Leighton Flowers, Dr. Pritchett, Theodore Zacharides, and Hernandez. And our Dr. Theodorides, Zachar, Zacharides, Zachar, I don't know, whatever his name is, let me tell you. I am the third leading expert on this guy. So you go to YouTube, you put in the guy's name. My video is number three, so I'm an expert on this guy, and I'll be weighing in on their evaluation of him. And me being the leading expert in the field of Dr. Zacharides' studies, uh, we'll, we'll evaluate if what they say is true or not. So let's listen to them, and let's listen to their ideas about this debate. Wow, I really, want, I really care so much about what Tim heard crazy psychotic Calvinist believes in J.D. Hall, uh, mopey, miserable Calvinist. They're, they're both miserable people, but that works. Calvinists are miserable people. So I, I'd do the same thing if I was leading flowers. Yeah. All right. Shall we, let, let's talk about tone, <laughs> right? Yeah, let's, let's talk about Because tone. that's the, that's the big thing that's come out of this in no. tone. And, and I want to say right up front, that anybody who thinks that Dr. Z was out of line because of his tone and his yelling, um, if that's your position, you have never met Dr. Z. Uh, he's excused because who he is. No, that wasn't the issue. Um, tone, it wasn't quite the issue. Uh, the issue was substance plus tone. 
And so if maybe if he was uh, providing actual factual things, actual arguments, his tone wouldn't have been a big deal. But he was a raving madman, just talking about absolute nonsense. He was talking about air conditioners and air conditioners thwarting God. His example of uh, building a tower to heaven to thwart God actually was evidence against his position because his position is God can never be thwarted in any way whatsoever. There's no possibility of it. But the Tower of Babel incident, God looks down on earth and sees these people building a tower and he says now whatever that they want will not be withheld from them he's basically saying these people are becoming too powerful i need to step in before these guys become too powerful and then he confuses the language this is the genesis evidence that dr zacharides offered as evidence that people can't thwart god god taking proactive steps to make sure man doesn't get too powerful these people have not, not a brain cell among them all of these guys this uh jd hall this uh Tim Hurd guy, I don't know his name, Tim, Tim Hurd, and uh, Dr. Zacharides, not one brain cell among them. They're, they're rambling, psychotic, crazy people. And it's really hard to respond to these people without sounding ad hominem yourself, but they don't have substance. How do you debate someone who has no substantive arguments? You can't do it. And so you end up in this back and forth, almost a character assassination thing. And then they accuse you of attacking their character. They have no substance. You can't debate someone who doesn't have substance to their points. So uh, these Calvinists, they're all crazy people. They're all nutters. And let's watch, let's watch J.D. Hall in this. Uh, he's, he's a depressing and miserable person, just as in his other videos. And uh, we could see what kind of people we're dealing with here. I had the privilege of meeting him. He privilege. actually was interviewed on one of the Bible Thumbing Network partners. Um, Adam Stobbs podcast that has left my mind right now. Oh, uh, Shine as Lights podcast. Um, so it was at the Wrath and Grace conference last year or this year, excuse me. And Dr. Z was there preaching, and we were trying to do interviews on our podcast uh, while Dr. Z was preaching, and we couldn't because he was so excited to preach biblical truths. He was literally... <laughs> biblical truths. These people are so, so far deep into their bubble that they think that uh, Dr. Zacharides teaches biblical truths. Did you see any biblical truths at all in his opening in his opening statement in the Leighton Flowers debate. I went through it line by line, uh, mocking him, mocking him because he was so far out there. He, he was he was so far off base and so far from any rational thought. He's just easy to mock. It was all this emotional garbage that he's just throwing around. And that's what Calvinists like to do. They like to focus on emotions. They like to focus on character attacks rather than substance because these are empty shells of people. They don't have arguments. He's screaming as he was preaching. And that's, that's the way he communicates. And if you <laughs> don't okay. like it, I'm sorry. Uh, so if you're just going to cry because he was yelling and stuff like that, and you think his tone was off. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. This was a formal debate, a professional debate in which Leighton Flowers and Dr. Pritchett were brought there under false pretenses. They were brought there thinking that this would be a gentlemanly debate with rational back and forth where they discuss the issues. Instead, they have this uh, polemical, emotional yelling rant at them, exactly what they didn't want to engage with. These type of lunatics, lunatics. You are a lunatic. Tim Hurd, you're a lunatic. J.D. Hall, you are a lunatic. You're bad people. You're bad people. And it makes sense not to deal with you people because you're so psychotic. Um, 
you don't know who he is. And Sonny Hernandez, he's just a ball of fire already. Um, you know Sonny, uh, Jordan, and maybe you want to speak to the tone. Yeah, I'll speak to the tone. Uh, I said it the other day, and I stand by it. I had a lot of flack. I think people are being a bunch of namby-pamby sissies when it comes to determining what is and what is not correct tone. I would stand by my assertion that the Scripture nowhere forbids tone, uh, at least as it may be subjectively judged from culture to culture. Uh, Theodore is Greek, and as I understand it, culturally, they get excitable. He was excitable. Then you shouldn't be taking place in a scholarly debate. You should be on the sidelines, a raving lunatic like you are. You're raving lunatics. And J.D. Hall's like, well, people who don't like the tone are, are sissies. Well, maybe if Theodore Zacharides had his own personal blog place where he posted a video, I don't think anyone would say anything. They'd just say, oh, there's a ranting Calvinist, whatever. But this was a formal debate in which you're trying to convince people and discuss the issues uh, that the other side wants to bring up and discuss. And you don't do that if you shut down conversations by just attacking character. You don't do that. And that that's all he could do. He's not a scholar. I don't know who gave him his doctorate. Maybe he got it in like a McDonald's Happy Meal is where Theodore Zacharides got his doctorate. The scripture says, one who preaches, let him preach as though he's preaching the oracles of God. I don't know how else you do that without having a degree of excitement. And so the scripture says things like in, in 1 Corinthians. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I, I don't think Calvinists are Christians. Well, not these mainstream guys, not not the Tim Hurds of the world, not the J.D. Halls, not the Matt Slicks, not the James Whites. The people who are so embedded in Platonist theology that they actually believe their Platonist metaphysics about God, I don't think they're worshiping the true God of the Bible, Yahweh. And so... I could sit up here, I could do an entire video criticizing and lambasting and uh, calling names at these these incompetent buffoons we have here on the screen, you know, and uh, can I defend it and say, I'm just preaching the oracles of God. I'm condemning you because you're not a Christian, J.D. Hall. I'm condemning you because you're not a Christian, Tim Hurd. I'm condemning you, Matt Slick. I'm condemning you, Theodore Zacharides. You're not worshiping the God of the Bible. You're, you're not a Christian. You're not even a heretic, because in order to be a heretic, you actually have to have some semblance of the God of the Bible. You're just not a Christian. You're just not a Christian. And I could go on, and I could deliver all sorts of fire. I could uh, have an entire podcast on it. And and what? Is, is that now fine, and it's a good thing to do? Is it constructive? It, it might feed into your base, and that's exactly what Theodore Zacharides does, is he, he virtue signals. He doesn't care about substance. He cares about virtue signaling. He's comparable to a social justice warrior lunatic. That's, that's who he is. They, they go on Twitter, these social justice warriors, and then they, they put their one or two liners. Oh, Trump is a Nazi. Or, or yeah, it just everyone's racist and oh, everyone's sexist. And, and that's virtue signal. And if we see something we don't like, we just call it out. We call it racist. He is a third wave feminist, social justice warrior, crazy lunatic. That's who these people are. Chapter 13 that we should, you know, Paul says, whether we speak in the tongues of angels or men, if I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. But, but that is not speaking of uh, how we speak in terms of our tone, but the motivation and the purpose for... 
Really? Okay, so what contextually brings you to that conclusion, J.D. Hall? Are you going to talk about it? Well, let's let's see if you talk about the context and what leads you to that conclusion, where Paul Paul's really, in J.D. Hall's mind, he's saying, you could yell at people, you could scream at them, you could call them a heretics in, in a formal debate in which you're trying to discuss theological matters with them, but, but as long as your motivations are pure, you're doing it in love. That's what he's going here. That's what Paul's going for in this passage. Tell us, tell us what in context leads you to that position. For, for why we speak. In other words, it's not as though we speak lovingly, as though love is the adjective, so that we talk to people really sweet like this. I, I think you're a heretic, and you might go to hell. No, it, it's talking about the purpose and the reason for why we're speaking. In other words, exhorting someone to flee the eternal wrath of God. You might have an excitable tone of voice, but the reason why you're doing I don't think that's what the passage is talking about whatsoever. I think that p- passage is actually talking about being loving and meek and trying to reach people on their own level. And uh, I don't think Theodore Zacharias was acting in love. His, his crazy, nonsensical rant, his lunacy, is, is not love. It's, it's just psychotic, nonsense rambling. It's insane asylum level stuff it's uh it's 12 monkeys insane asylum ranting isn't merely to condemn them it is loving because you're pleading that they might flee from the wrath to come it's not about tone that verse is completely and entirely taken out of context or places like first uh, peter chapter 3 verse 15 to give a defense so, J.D. Hall, you'd be okay you and me having a debate and me spending my entire debate time just calling you out for not being a Christian and uh, condemning you for, for not worshiping the God of the Bible and going to hell in the strongest language and, and just just virtue signaling to people who uh, think like me rather than talking about substance. Again, my biggest problem with Theodore Zacharides is his substance. He's substanceless. He's, he's, a, he's a leaf blowing in the wind. He's nothing. He's nothing. He's, he's just a flake, a shell of a person. An apology for the hope that lies within us. Let us do so with gentleness and, and respect. That word is prates in Greek. Uh, and, and it's talking about meekness. In other words, that we're not going boldly based upon our own speech. That would be, uh, or excuse me, our, our own uh, clout or our own authority. That would be arrogance. But meekly, we claim to people, proclaim to people what God's word is. Arrogance would be proclaiming God, proclaiming our own words as though they were God's. Meekness is that we give a defense for the hope that lies within us from God's word. And we can do that confidently. So Calvinists are so psychotic that they think that anyone who doesn't agree with them on you know, these, these weird metaphysics are, are heretics. But they don't get any of those definitions from the Bible. They say, oh, if, if you deny the doctrines of grace, if you deny predestination and election, then you're not a Christian. Or you, you don't agree with my whatever favored doctrine that I care about, then you're not a Christian. Where in the Bible describes people as heretics or unsafe for not believing those things, right? There are a few points in the Bible where they talk about people who are heretics. Those are the people who deny that Jesus came in the flesh, you know, and and you might be bordering on that with whatever theory of uh, the Trinity you hold, J.D. Hall. I bet I bet you are. I bet you're the people that uh, Paul condemns in, in Colossians 2. I bet, I bet you fall into that category. But also the people who aren't heretics but just aren't saved, you know, Paul dealt with these people. They were the Greeks. 
and they just didn't believe in Yahweh of the Bible. And his main ministry to these people was believe in the God of the Bible. You know, turn to Yahweh. You know, the Jews, they already believed in Yahweh. You just had to convert them to Christ. The, the pagans, the people who weren't heretics, they didn't fall into that category. The people who just rejected God, you had to turn them to God and then to Jesus. You know, it's a two-step process. Uh, it, it, it Acts, Morris Hill. This is what Paul's ministry is to those who aren't believers in Yahweh. J.D. Hall, you're not a believer in Yahweh. And boldly, without being accused of, of poor tone. I, I Frankly, I, it, it has uh, been one of the greatest uh, annoyances in my life to hear men of God preach truth in a land where there is a famine, there is a drought of truth. And all you hear are people complain about what form it comes in. All right. Psychotic ramblings. I, I, I might I might complain just a little bit. If God was sending us psychotic ramblings as his method of, of uh, distributing truth, that there there is some problem there, even even if it's divine inspiration. Oh, God predestined from all eternity all these things to happen. And look at J.D. Hall. He's like, this land is filled with drought. We're not getting good preaching. Whose fault is that? That's God's fault in your theology. You people are double-minded and double-tongued. And you don't care about what your theology actually preaches. You think and you act like an Arminian until it comes to your metaphysics. Then you start talking like a fatalist, predestined nation type person. If anything had changed, if there was one more ounce of truth in the last 10 years than there was in the last 10 years, you think that that's not according to God's perfect plan. You think God, God's greatest glory wouldn't be realized if there was even one more ounce of truth within the last 10 years previously in history. But you don't care about your own theology. You, you don't live according to theology. You don't believe your own theology. You're double-minded and double-tongued. Nobody would be surprised with your uh, your view on that. But yeah, it would be... I can't ever remember in, engaging with somebody I disagree with. And, you know, they can disagree with me as much as, as they want. I never come... come I never leave saying... I don't like your tone. <laughs> I might not like what you said. Yeah, because usually you like just shout them down and you attack them personally until they leave on their own. Because uh, you're you're not a debater. You don't care about substance, and you just like personal attacks. Tim Hurd, you're you're a pathetic person. It's it's the endless hall monitor complex that drives me nuts. You're trying to have a conversation with somebody. And that other person can be into the conversation and he's not offended, but you have a hall monitor walk up to you and tell you that your tone isn't right. It, 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 I didn't like that kid in school when he told me not to run to the water fountain. I don't like people that do that now on Facebook. You guys watching these guys as they talk? This uh, J.D. Hall, he's just a miserable person. He's just like, oh, I hate this hall monitor. You know, I, I don't like uh, these rule enforcer people either, but uh, look at him. Look at him. Look at J.D. Hall just a miserable person you could just tell it in his life in his preaching he's just a bad person i can't i can't stand it and to watch frankly what has happened to sonny and theo who i, I know both of them sonny better than theodore uh to, to watch them be attacked by calvinists because their tone wasn't right is obnoxious because all that does 
is prevent an honest discussion. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, telling that telling Doctor Zacharides to watch his tone and to open up discussion and not shut down discussion. That is inhibiting discussion. Real that that's your position, JD Hall. That in scholarly debates, you just lambast the other person, you attack them personally, and you forget any substance whatsoever. And oh, that that's fire spitting truth. These people are psychotic. They they're living in this alternate reality. And in, in this, uh, you know, Scott Adams always talks about two movies played. Uh, Calvinists have their own movie, and it's an acid trip movie that makes zero sense in any reality. Uh, they're living in their own self-constructed world, their self-constructed bubble of nonsense. About the substance of whatever it is you're arguing about. For example, if I'm talking about race relations and I'm trying to discuss real issues between people of Caucasian descent and people of an African descent. You are the social justice warrior. You're the person screaming racist against everyone. You, J.D. Hall, you. You're defending Theodore Zacharides, who instead of actually debating, oh, racial statistics, well, well, who disproportionately causes more crime in the U.S.? Who disproportionately goes to jail? Men are overwhelmingly jailed, and women are overwhelmingly uh, given lighter sentences for the same crimes. Uh, is that sexist? You would you would step in in your theology if you're if you are a if you apply your Calvinism to politics, you'd step in and say, that's sexist. You can't say women have special privileges in our legal system. You are the social justice warrior, you nut job. And every time I try to say anything about what the real issues are. So then someone calls you a heretic like Theodore Zacharides. Somebody has to chime in and call me racist because they don't like my tone or the inflection of my voice or the way I Look, these guys are living in their own self-constructed fantasy world. Said that, or what do I mean? What do I mean by that? Um, that actually inhibits honest conversation. Yeah, yeah, it does inhibit honest conversation, doesn't it? Doesn't it? You people are the social justice warriors. You're the people. Anytime someone wants to talk about theology, steps in and goes, "You're a heretic," trying to shut down conversation. You guys are delusional. You're projecting. You're projecting on others your own faults. And there's zero self-reflection in your movement, and you don't see it. And you just talk like this without realizing you're the social justice warrior. That inhibits uh, true dialogue. That shuts down business oh, in the yeah, public marketplace of ideas. Doesn't and it? for anyone who claims to be a debater or an apologist God. to shut down honest discourse Take your own in the name of tone is beneath them. I watched. Um, oh, there's zero self-reflection. Zero self-reflection in these people. Look at them. Zero self-reflection. Um, a portion of Leighton Flowers and uh, Dr. Pritchett. I think he's a doctor. Not sure. Um, <clears throat> I watched the opening of Leighton and he uh, reviewing and talking about the debate. And it was a lot of whining about tone. <laughs> no, it was, it was lining, lying. <laughs> No, not at all. It was whining, quote unquote, whining about being drawn there on false pretenses. They were lied to by Calvinists because Calvinists always lie. Go look at my Calvinists RSJW videos. Calvinists RSJWs. They're liars. They're bad people. They're, they're fundamentally, they have fundamental character flaws. And very little uh, addressing. Tone is, tone is nothing but a red herring. When someone complains about tone, it's because they're, they're intentionally 
trying, well, I suppose they could just be, I don't know, effeminate and easily offended. But most of the time it is an intentional decision. They're effeminate and easily offended. Decision on their part to distract from the topic of conversation because they're losing in an argument. <laughs> losing an argument. Losing an argument. Theodore Zacharides, oh, he, he provided such hard-hitting truths and substance that, that uh, Layton Flowers was like, I am blown away. I don't know how to respond to this this truth that I that's that's so full of substance and oh I, so I'll whine about tone because I can't respond to all this truth he's laid down. What did you guys listen to the debate? Did you listen to the debate? Oh, your side is out there. You guys are space cadets. And so then they play the victim, uh, and they they victim signal. And they say, this guy's tone was bad. It was mean to me. And then it, people rush in and say, that, that wasn't their complaint. What? They, bait and switch by liars like you. You people are liars. Matt Slick is a huge liar. James White, he's a liar. He's, he's intellectually dishonest. And I've been documenting this for years. Your dishonesty. It's not godly. Not yours, J.D. Hall. I don't know who you are. Yeah, you're just like some miserable guy on the internet. To make this person feel bad about themselves. You got to understand, when, when the scripture was written, people were being literally stoned to death. They um, By Jews? Once in a while. Were being imprisoned, uh, torched, uh, fed to lions in the Colosseum. Uh, Christians, non-Christians, for all different crimes. It was a pretty violent place back in the day. When we're admonished to do things gently... This, this isn't dealing with the inflection of our voice and someone reading between the lines. We're talking about not torching someone. Okay, so if I'm talking to a heretic and I'm excitable, uh, it's not in any way a violation of the scripture to, to speak to him in some, uh, unlike I might read a storybook to my three-year-old daughter when I'm putting her to bed. Great. So uh, that, let's hope that you get a dose of your own medicine. You're not even a heretic. You're not a Christian. We are, in other words, our cultural understanding of what is sinful or not in terms of tone of voice is not the context of the first century. All right. What we have decided to review is we're going to uh, begin by reviewing Sonny and Theodore's opening statements. Uh, they are each 10 minutes long. We'll see how much we get through uh, already in this debate. Uh, Pritchett and Flowers have done their openings, and I can summarize both of them. Uh, Pritchett um, opening was talking about determinism and how determinism is not a biblical view of Scripture, of God. And Leighton Flowers took 10 minutes to hit all the Arminian key verses that are taken uh, out of context to support uh, free will and choices and um, and all the anti-Calvinist verses, he hit them. And if you've ever heard him speak, you you've heard all those verses. And if all those verses, there's too many in the Bible to count. If if we had a debate and uh, we had a random chapter generator that would just give us a random chapter in the Bible, and that's all we had to debate, the Armenian would win every time. Any random chapter you open up to is going to be Arminian picture of God. If you've ever listened to a, a good Calvinist apologist, they've all been addressed and they continue to use the same arguments because they're not getting it or they they just they just don't understand 
oh, Calvinism is so smart. It's so above them. They just don't get it. That's probably why the entire Bible is written uh, in this demeaning language to people with these things that are obviously not true because the people the Bible is written to weren't as smart as us Calvinists. So obviously we need to reject the Bible and then come up with our own theology. And the Bible writers just happen to agree with us. That's their literal position. Their literal position is the Bible's being condescending to man, and that's why it's worded in such a way. But they're the intellectuals. They are so smart. They can see the true message of the Bible. Listen, it's cultist. It's cultist. These these people are cultists. They're living in a fantasy bubble world. They're psychotic. Refuse to change any of their argumentation. So that's what you are missing. And now it's really hard to argue against special pleading. A special pleading is this idea that uh, uh, standards apply differently to what I believe uh, than to what anyone else believes. And the Calvinists, they're, they're little, literally their argument comes down to each time you start engaging them and you dig deeper and deeper, it ultimately comes down to Calvinists are regenerated, and so we Calvinists understand the Bible, and no one else does. And th- that's what their arguments always always boil down to. They're, they're psychotic. It's special pleading. It's this cult mentality. Well, we will begin. Let me change screens here on uh, YouTube so that the viewers can watch as we watch and review. Uh, I don't know what you're going to do. Wave at me or pound the table or... JD, when you want me to stop, but this is uh, Sonny Hernandez uh, in in the debate in his uh, opening statement. Scripture says, "Whatever the Lord pleases, He does." Praise God for this opportunity to be here with you this evening. Now, <clears throat> I need to make sure I'm not playing it on one point two. The thing with Sonny, it. He might have a podcast on the network someday, folks. And if you do, if he does, it'll be the first podcast that you listen to. All right. I got pulled up my conversation with Tim Hurd. I made it into a comic book. So this this is who we're dealing with. Uh, that This is who this comic is is made after, this uh, Tim Hurd guy. And he's basically he says that, uh, <laughs> here, I'll read it to you. He's like, Hi, I'm a Calvinist podcaster who prefers emoting rather than biblical study and regularly ignores quotes by God in favor of quotes by God's enemies and for my own deeply held theology. Because he's quoting Balaam in our conversation. So he's like, Balaam said that God's not a man, that he should not change. I'm like, this is an enemy of God you're quoting for your theology. Do you care about God's quotes where God says that he repents? And he's like, rah, 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 rah. so he elevates the, the words of God's enemies over God. And, and so I made fun of him for that. I said this. All right, pretty much like 100% of what you just said sounds goofy to me, but okay, I can roll with it. In 1 Samuel 2.30, God revokes an eternal promise and replaces it with a conditional promise. Can we at least agree the author of Samuel was an open theist? And uh, basically, he he just goes to a more emotional thing. Repent! Repent, heretic! He's psychotic. This person we're dealing with, this podcaster guy, he, he doesn't want to debate issues. He wants to debate people. He'll attack people. And I said this, just saying repent is not actually an argument. You kind of just ignored everything I said and just pretended I should convert to your unsourced and shoddily evidenced beliefs because I am somehow to be convinced by your emotional outbursts. He's like, God will judge you. And you could go to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Facebook page and then uh, do a little search on my name and look at my interaction with this guy and see how true to life this comic is. 
And so Tim Hurd's like, God will judge you. He's a psychotic. He's a lunatic we're dealing with here. And I was like this. You really don't seem to be tracking on any intellectual level here. Is that what we're going to do now? Just discard evidence-based reasoning in favor of calling on the other person to repent? It's like, repent. No, you repent. No, you. And uh, this whole name-calling and emoting and uh, basically emotional blackmail. Oh, you are such a heretic. You just reject God. That's not an argument. That's not an argument. Deal with evidence. Deal with beliefs. I understand why Tim Hurd and J.D. Hall... Uh, these two individuals, why they love uh, Dr. Zechardarides, because they're all lunatics. They all don't care about evidence. They don't they all don't care about reasoning, and they all care about emoting and virtue signaling. Social justice warriors. They're lunatics, and they're living in their own bubble. At 0.5 speed, because <laughs> he talks so fast. Okay, yeah, let me uh, chime in here, Tim. Let's make sure we get to Theo's before we before we end. I got a sermon to do. I got some church members I need to call tonight. Yeah, J.D. Hall just always looks miserable. Just like put his name in any Google search or YouTube search, pull up a video, and he's just like, it's like, come on, dude. Come on, dude. Life's not all that bad. It's it's actually pretty good, dude. Uh, there's a lot of things to be happy about. There's there's We're living longer and healthier and happier than ever before in history, dude. Light up. So let's make sure we get to Theo's speech before we end, because I want to focus on him, because I think Theo's taking the brunt, and I don't mean any disrespect. I should call him Theodore, perhaps. I don't know him that well. Um, uh, uh, How about Dr. Zoidberg? Uh, that, that's his, his affectionate name. And this is coming from me. I'm the third leading expert on Dr. Zoidbergology studies, and so I know what I'm talking about. Pastor Z. Uh, I want to make sure that I do that. What you're going to find here is that Sonny is talking fast. But the first thing I noticed watching this, which was a few days, I think it was Sunday, I watched the debate. He does all this from memory. But he uses no notes. Uh, I d- I'm not capable of that. I mean, I am, but it wouldn't be as good as what I would do <laughs> with a manuscript. Yeah. yeah. This is this is impressive. Go mm-hmm. ahead. I'd like to thank Pastor Evan for hosting this debate and also to Dr. Pritchett and Dr. Flowers for accepting this challenge. Now, since this debate covers gospel essentials, I need to give a quick disclaimer. This is not going to be an in-house debate, nor are my arguments going to be personal attacks against either of my... <laughs> oh, your, your arguments aren't going to be personal attacks. Did, did you coordinate with your buddy, Dr. Zoidberg, before you said that line? And J.D. Hall is laughing. He's smiling. J.D. Hall, why are you smiling? You're, you're, you finally lined up. Is it because uh, you, you sense the lies that are filtering through? Opponents, because I believe both of them are made in the image of God and are to be treated with dignity and respect. However, <laughs> since this debate does cover gospel essentials, I need to make it known very clearly. These are absolutely gospel essentials. Why? Because you say so. And uh, whatever you say is true. And... Uh, <laughs> Ah, these people, they are so far down the rabbit hole. They think that their personal favorite theology are gospel essentials. They're nuts. They're crazy people. My arguments are not going to be personal. They will be polemical because I will not soft pedal the irrevocable truth of scripture, especially since I believe my opponent's position tonight. You're a liar. You're a liar. You lied to get uh, Dr. Flowers and Pritchett in-house so you could do this. You liar. You're scum. and this is the thing. He he's a he's a military chaplain. He's a he's a Air National Guard type guy. 
And uh, in order to be a military chaplain, you have to basically affirm that you're not going to be partisan in your beliefs against uh, other traditions, even other faiths. And this guy's like the most partisan guy I know. So I wonder how this is going down for his Air Force career. Hands on tradition and not truth. Let's stop there for a second. You started debate like you started a debate like that too. I did. I said the exact same thing to Ante Pavkovic, however you say his name, and I don't think that he got it. I don't. I don't think that Ante got it, but I. I, I bet that Layton got it. So he began by saying, "I'm. I'm not going to call this an intramural debate." So they. Let's be honest. <laughs> they bas- basically anathematize. Uh, 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 Pritchett and Flowers from the very beginning. Now it's yep, you bait and switch because they're liars, they're scum people, and that's my experience with Calvinists, the vocal Calvinists. Here, that you hear the whining, the moaning, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, Calvinist fanboys curl up in feudal positions in their mother's basement all around this great country, saying, "Oh, how could they do that? I, I can't, I can't say that they're not Christians." Listen, you got to understand people's tradition. We're yeah, this is something Arminians really need to take account of. Uh, Arminians and open theists are allies in this debate. Calvinists do not, Arminians, understand this. Calvinists do not consider you Christian. They think that you worship a false god. And if they had power, if they had overwhelming power and didn't need you guys to legitimatize themselves, uh, they would throw you out. They would cast you out. They would treat you like open theists if they had the overwhelming majority of the power in the Christian church in the world. They don't like you. Uh, you're not welcome. And they think you're heretics. And all these big Calvinist uh, presenters, they said, oh, this Theodore Zacharias, he's a hard-hitting person. He's telling the truth, pen and pulpit. Uh, these Bible-thumping wingnuts. These people hate you. These people think you're heretics. They don't think you're saved. And they only they only put up pretenses to pretend you're saved because you have clout. You have power in the modern church. But as soon as you lose that power, you're going to be right where open theists are. They are going to discard you. At least Arminians, uh, Roger Olson makes this point, that uh, he finds more solstice with, with open theists than he does with Calvinists because it comes down to primarily who God is who God is. Is God the God of the Platonists, this uh, this calculated, unchanging, uh, pure actuality, uh, abstract concept that determines all things? Or is he the God of the Bible, who interacts with people, who reacts, who, uh, who displays love, who engages in give-and-take relationships, who engages in sorrow and repentance and deep, uh, deep emotional responses to his creation? That's the debate. That's the debate we're having. And Calvinists are not your friends, Arminians. And don't, don't think that they are. They would destroy you in a second if they had power. When someone is a Dorsian Calvinist and, and they believe in, in what was said at the Synod of Dort, um, and, and they are a truly traditional Protestant, they view denying the sovereignty of God as uh, tantamount to denying God. Yeah, pay attention. Calvinists do not think Arminians are saved, are Christians. Pay attention. These people are psychotic. They're lunatics. And if you want to be that riled up that Sonny and Theo looked at this as it was not an intramural debate, I'll remind you that Spurgeon, whenever he referred to Arminians, would call them Pelagians, not even semi-Pelagians. <laughs> oh, he called Pelagians. Oh, it's, oh, it's a pain. The hurt. 
I got a comic on Pelagians, you know, because, you know, I've been called Pelagian. It's like, what's a Pelagian? And then they'll say, blah, 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 blah. I'll say, what's wrong with that? And then be like, rah, rah, rah. It's like, okay, show me in the Bible what's wrong with that. Let's pretend I was a full-on Pelagian, whatever that means. And, you know, a Pelagian, that's like a third century deal where they care about these Calvinistic concepts, these Platonic categories. And that, that whole debate was about Platonic categories. So I wouldn't even call myself a Pelagian. But uh, show me in the Bible where Pelagian is such a heresy. And they can't do it. These people are lost in their own little bubble world. They don't even know what they're talking about. They don't even know what Pelagius taught. You know, there's defenders of Pelagius who come against these Calvinists and they say, Pelagius didn't teach whatever X, Y, Z. And the Calvinists have no response because they are taught to think in emotions. They're, it's, it's like that uh, 1984 book where they have the, their five minutes of hate. And they see something on the screen and they're just like, oh, oh, I hate that. I hate that. Oh, Pelagian. Pelagian, that's a word I hate. So I'll call anyone who disagrees with me a heretic. I'll call them a Pelagian. I'll call them all sorts of names. And uh, that will endear me to them. That will make me rational and superior. These people are lunatics. They're third wave feminist social justice warriors. That's who we're dealing with. He called them Pelagians because to him there was no difference. So yeah, it's harsh, and he said that it was political, and he said he was going to address, uh, you know, he was going to address arguments without attacking his opponents, and that's what he does. I, I appreciate the disclaimer; he's being honest. These people, I never heard don't of a Georgian Calvinist, but you've explained you explained what it is in your commentary just now. Yeah, there there is a group. I don't think it's secret called the Anti-Arminianism League. It's brand new. I, I don't know if Jeff started it, Jeff Maples, or one of those troublemakers. But uh, a lot has been said in there in recent days about what that term means, and you might want to go check it out. And I'll explain to you why. Because I believe God, in his sovereign decree, he predestines. He has a divine decree, and you know what it is? It's discriminative. It's extensive, eternal, and it is free and absolute. So either you went to a... He must uh, go through a lot of history just thwarting himself for no apparent reason because he's psychotic and double-minded. And then all this hurt where he's like, oh, man, I know I said this, but instead I'm going to do this instead. And, hey, I never expected X, Y, Z to happen. Uh, wow, this this, this, this de divine determinism makes so much sense. God's just a crazy person, just thwarting himself. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's lunacy. It's lunacy. It's not the Bible. It's not the Bible. And uh, the only way they get to this, it's in the Bible, is because they're like the early Neoplatonists. The Neoplatonists did this with Homer. They took the works of Homer and they said, oh, Homer wasn't writing about a pantheon of gods led by Zeus. He's instead talking about natural phenomenon and talking about the supreme god, uh, the one Platonic truths. Neoplatonists accepted Homer in the Iliad. And what they did is they rewrote it in their own mind to match their own conception of what God should be. And these Two individuals, Tim Hurd, J.D. Hall, and even Hernandez here, and Zacharias, they're Neoplatonists. They are literally, literally Neoplatonists. They believe the exact same things Neoplatonists do. And instead of using the Iliad like that, where they're subverting the Iliad to force on their Neoplatonic ideas, they're, they're converting the Bible into Neoplatonism. Affirm free grace, or you are going to affirm a false gospel. Let me share with you something very important here about the topic of tonight's debate. 
What is a biblical view of free will? My colleague and I are going to argue tonight that there is no such thing as autonomous free will. Yeah, that's funny because the Bible says so. And that is because we affirm our Lord's free grace while our opponents affirm libertarian free will because that is essentially what this debate is all about. Is it? Is, is that what the debate's about? Free grace versus free will. I thought it was about the nature and character of God. And what you want is a God who micromanages every single sin and makes sure that every single child being raped, uh, you know, like in Africa, they had this idea where that if you had AIDS and you'd rape like a toddler, and uh, then you wouldn't have AIDS. And so there was an epidemic of raping of small children. You believe that God meticulously determined that for his own greatest glory because you're psychotic. You are psychotic. Is that the biblical God? Is that the picture of Yahweh that we see in the Bible? Meticulously determining this uh, this uh, sketchy reasoning for this massive suffering against uh, innocent people? No, we don't see that at all. Instead, even if when there's national punishment where God calls the Assyrians, he whistles and uh, he entices them, and they're enticed by seeing the riches of Israel, and they come, and, and it's a general punishment, but then they punish too far. They extend the boundaries of what God has authorized them to do, and so they are punished in turn. God's will is thwarted in his punishment of uh, Israel, and uh, he punishes Assyria in turn. This is what happens in the Bible. It's these general movements. It's not this meticulous micromanagement, this craziness. And so in the Calvinist mind, they think that if you could point to somewhere in the Bible where God does one thing, that means God does everything. If God does one major event, that means he must have micromanaged every small event inside that major event. And any time that God says he's going to do something and that thing didn't happen, oh, that was just conditional. That was just, uh, ex post facto. Everything that didn't happen was just conditional, and everything that did happen was eternally predestined, right? And, and the foretelling of it was proof that it was predestined. These people are lunatics. They, they, have, they have no consistency in their ideas of how to interpret the Bible. And it's all special pleadings. Special pleadings of fallacy. They're cultists. So let me explain to you something about my position on the Arminian position on free will. This is somewhat of a disclaimer I want to share very quickly so that way you know the position that I'm coming from. There is a classical work out there that is written by Christopher Ness and it's titled The Antidote to Arminianism. And let me explain to you a little bit about the content that you're going to find in that book. It calls Arminianism a foul heresy, the root and core of all heretical false doctrine. It calls it the, the great idol of fallen men. It's the Pope's Benjamin, the elixir of anti-Christianism, and is the spawn of... Can you see the Neoplatonists saying the exact same thing? Can you see uh, uh, Porphyry uh, exclaiming this? Can you see Plotinus exclaiming this? That those people who believe in the pantheon of Greek gods described by Homer in the Iliad, uh, they just don't know what they're talking about. That That's a heresy, and uh, they're subverting the truth. And... Uh, and then they say, oh, our, our Platonistic ideas are true. And, and do we accept uh, the Homer and the Iliad and everything like that, except for you have to reimagine it. You have to reinterpret it into our Platonic ideas. That's who these people are. And the, uh, Sonny Hernandez, uh, J.D. Hall over here. Here, I, I pointed the right direction this time. And then uh, Tim Hurd over here. You guys are all Neoplatonists. Don't you know? Calvinists. Dum, dum, anything that good us. Beginners. Oh, and here they come, come, come to the brightest thing that glitters. Neoplatonist theology. 
uh, not Christians. Popery. Also, it says ancient Pelagianism, or I'm sorry, modern Arminianism is but ancient Pelagianism, and Pelagianism is popery and popery. We got the Pelagian, she said the word. That's a scary word for some reason. Why is it scary? I, I don't know why it's scary. We're just, we're taught to hate it with our five minutes of hate. Ah, oh, Pelagianism. Scary. There's another name for man's free will in opposition to God's free grace. Also, I stand with men like Augustus Toplady. So Pritchett points out in his review of the debate in which they were complaining, uh, it's, it seems like this uh, Tim Hurd guy, this J.D. Hall guy heard, heard the response. They talk about all the time how Paul says, well, I saved you and I saved you. And uh, and they, they it, you know, it's, it's, it's a phrase that Paul uses all the time that he saves people, right? And it's not a problem. It's not, oh, now it's Pelagianism because man is doing something and, and uh, God's not doing all the saving action. This, these psychotic categories, these, these, these categories that shouldn't exist in any sane person's mind are being interjected into the Bible and, and prioritized, prioritized. This is, this is how crazy Calvinism is, is where they take these nonsense concepts, these concepts that they made up in their own mind. They have no backing, no rational backing. The only, the, the only way these th- concepts are even generated is by injecting a healthy dose of Platonism into the Bible. And then they start caring about these categories, the, these methods of thoughts. And then anyone that disagrees with them is a heretic. This is not biblical thinking. This is all Platonism. He argued very distinctly that Arminianism came from the Church of Rome and leads back to the pit from whence it was dug. Now, here's why I stand with that position about God's eternal decree, because God is absolutely sovereign. Are any of these arguments, is he making a real argument? Did he present any Bible verses talking about exegesis? He's not. He's not. And so this, this is the frustrating thing. You come to a debate and you expect an honest give and take uh, discussion about actual issues, and then you're left with this nonsense, this this cultist uh, virtue signaling from these social justice warrior lunatics. He is an electing eternal and immutable judge, and nothing comes to pass outside of his eternal decree. God, from all eternity, he has decreed in himself. That sounds like the Islam position. That sounds like the Neoplatonist position. That sounds like Greek fatalism. All things whatsoever comes to pass. It doesn't sound like Yahweh in the Bible who continually strives with Israel. Israel is struggles with God. The people who are in constant conflict with God and God's trying to woo them and God's trying to lead them on the right path. He says, what more could I have done for you that I didn't do? And you still reject me. I've done everything in my power to reach you and you guys still reject me. I built a wine press expecting good grapes and my expectations were thwarted. This is the biblical God, a God who struggles with the people, struggles in opposition with the people. And uh, and they want to subvert this. They want to subvert this for this Neoplatonistic idea of God based on what? You've provided us zero verses, zero verses. And then the verses you'd ever do provide for these types of things, you pull out of context. You don't understand things. Like uh, one Calvinist was talking about the word predestined. And so I pointed out the word predestined as used in, in the wider Greek world. And I quoted English passages. And I said, which word is predestined? He didn't know. He didn't know. But do you know who did know? <laughs> Jonathan Pritchett, Pritchett. Dr. Pritchett knew which word was predestination in uh, a normal Greek text from the wider world because he understood what that word actually meant. 
Calvinists hijack words. And, the, and that's, that's how they get to their theology is bad exegesis, just forcing their theology on the text. They rape the Bible. They rape it. And this is according to his eternal and immutable counsel of his free will. Now, let me explain to you something here about this. They don't believe God has free will. They, they don't think that God could do anything other than what's been internally predestined. Because remember, God's knowledge of the world is an eternal, simple, and ungenerated knowledge that is identical with God's essence. And the world couldn't be any different than it is now. That's Calvinist metaphysics, standard Calvinist theology. And uh, I quote this in, in quite a lot of Calvinists on my God is Open site. I've been collecting these quotes. Any single Calvinist metaphysics is going to state this. Sonny Hernandez is uh, doing this Calvinist thing where they preach something, but it, it does, it's not in line with their metaphysics. They're, they're double-tongued. We already talked about this, where they say one thing, but their metaphysics say something else. And this is it, this this cognitive dissidence where where their theology doesn't line up with each other and they 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 speak as if their theology is true in one setting and then they speak as if as if it's not true in another that's that's the only way they sustain this this little cult religion of theirs when you say well my will must precede god's grace let me explain to you something the grace of god he- what kind of categories are these what kind of categories is he talking about and my will precedes God's grace. What is, does the Bible talk in these categories? Paul is dealing with, in, in the Bible, he's dealing with these Jews. And these Jews think they're saved by virtue of being Jews, God's chosen people, to whom unilateral promises apply. And so a lot of these verses where he's dealing with this type of mindset is, I'm Jewish, and so it doesn't matter what I personally do. I'm saved by virtue of being Jewish. And he says, says no, you, you don't get saved in virtue of being Jewish. These verses are repurposed to this weird Calvinist theology that, that is nowhere described in the Bible. It, it's, it's like uh, N.T. Wright says that we're, we're reading the Bible with, through 3rd century eyes or 16th century eyes. or third, Instead of reading the Bible in its original context. They, they don't know what they're talking about. They're bad at exegesis. You're bad at the Bible. He will not bow, be subject to suppress. He will not yield to anyone or anything since he does not derive his glory from anyone. God does as he pleases. He controls everything, rules over everything. He, he doesn't get anything from anyone. So in the Psalms, when people offer him praise in, in uh, exchange for saving him, uh, they, they, they're just idiots. Uh, King David, he doesn't know what he's talking about because he thinks he could give God something, but he really can't. So what's he doing bargaining in that fashion? And then what's God doing responding? So Sonny Hernandez knows more about God than King David. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to side with King David here. And uh, Sonny Hernandez, you could stick with uh, Plotinus or whoever you love. Not God, not Yahweh. Okay, let's stop there for a and second. Divine- uh, yeah. I want you to be able to understand what Sonny is doing. Now, I talked to Sonny before the debate on his way to Texas, and he kind of filled me in on his strategy and explained why he would be taking the approach that he was taking. When you go into a debate, the question is, why are you doing it? There has to be a purpose, a reason, and then you form that debate around that purpose or that reason. So when I recently debated Lewis Lyons, I didn't believe him to be a heretic didn't believe him to be uh, uh, dangerous to the church, even though I don't agree with New Covenant theology. I don't consider that uh, a grievous. So what he's doing here is he's saying that Sonny Hernandez, before the debate, set up this strategy 
that he assured Leighton Flowers that he would not take. Sonny Hernandez, you're a liar. J.D. Hall is exposing your lies. Uh, evil. Um, I think there are possible negative ramifications if that uh, doctrine is carried out to its fullest intention, some misunderstanding regarding Christian ethics and so forth. But I, I wanted to affirm my relationship and fidelity with those brothers while uh, trying to, to actually convince them and those listening that they are an heir. My goal uh, was to, in part, convince, say, uh, Christopher Fales and uh, Paul, oh, what's his name? Uh, Pastor Paul. Um, what, what was the last name? Kaiser. Kaiser. Yeah, those good guys. I, I because new, because New Covenant theology is new in its expression. I, I think there's still hope and time for them to come back around. And some of them, um, some of them like Rising or have backed off some of those beliefs. When I debated Ante Pavgovic, who's also a Pelagian, uh, on top of being a Montanist, I didn't intend to win them over. Uh, and furthermore, I didn't intend for any Pelagian, uh, excuse me, Montanist listeners necessarily necessarily to be won over. I wanted to demonstrate to the audience and to the people who watch the debate how you handle Montanism and, and, and how you debate it. Yeah, so J.D. Hall, uh, he, he just exposed uh, Sonny Hernandez's lies. Uh, Calvinists are bad people. They are bad people. And look at J.D. Hall, and uh, J.D. Hall has no... No willingness to be wrong. He, he, he cares more about being right than he cares about the truth. And uh, you just see it in his expressions and his, his uh, self-assurance. You know, biblical, biblical scholarship doesn't agree with you, Mr. J.D. Hall. You're wrong. You're wrong. Uh, any secular scholarship, especially of the Old Testament, will admit that God is not this Calvinistic God. And they'll say that these Second uh, Temple Judaism, Judaism concepts, those were when these ideas started seeping into the church. And some of them will say that the New Testament was infected with this uh, Neoplatonic ideas or Platonic or Mid-Platonistic ideas, whatever you want to say. Platonism, they'll, they'll say it, uh, but you really don't get a full dose of that until the Gnostics. And the Gnostics are the very first quotes you're going to find of uh, God being pure simplicity, pure actuality. The Gnostics. That's who you are, J.D. Hall. You're a Gnostic. So every debate, you have a different purpose, a different reason, and, and therefore a different posturing. With, with these guys, with Leighton Flowers, and I don't know Pritchett well. I think we've interacted on Facebook a few times. Um, I, I don't know that it's even been negative. But with Leighton Flowers, he has proven himself to be incorrigible. He is someone who appears to me to hate the doctrine of the gospel. Leighton <laughs> Flowers like the nicest guy anyone's ever met. And oh, he he on my program, he he didn't want to he didn't want to call Calvinists out for Calvinist standard behavior, and he was uh, very gracious towards them. So Leighton Flowers is like the nicest guy in the world, and this Tim Hurd guy, he, he's like, oh, Leighton Flowers is like a double-tongued viper or heretic on, on his Facebook page on, on Bible Thumping Wingnuts. I got screenshots of that behavior. And uh, J.D. Hall, he's like that too, that, oh, Leighton Flowers is so... Leighton Flowers is like the nicest guy. The nicest guy. Show me a clip of him being mean. You guys are lunatics. You're, you're psychotic. You are literally psychotic. And he hates God. And I... <laughs> Ah, oh, Layton Flowers hates God. Oh, Layton Flowers, Layton Flowers. He hates if, what, me watching Layton Flowers. I just, I just get that. I just like, wow, this guy is is so evil and malicious, and he just hates God. 
look at these people. These miserable people here, uh, J.D. Hall and Tim Hurd, they're miserable people. I think they hate God. I, I do think they hate God. They're projecting is what's happening here. All right, so we're, we're about at an hour. Uh, maybe I'll continue this podcast uh, some other time, but uh, oh, these people, I just kind of had to respond to these these guys there. They're out in leftist loony land. They're social justice warriors. They they don't think rationally. They don't think in in a, in actual reasoning. They don't they don't care about actual arguments. As evident in my literal interactions with Tim Hurd, in which he just wants to say, "Oh, repent," rather than dealing with the issues. He can't respond to actual arguments. He can't respond to evidence. He's irrational. These people are irrational. They're psychotic. They're psychotic. Anyways, uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, post a thread on the God is Open Facebook page. Post a comment on uh, this YouTube channel. Send a question to GodIsOpenQuestions at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Oh,